My name is Deborah. I'm a writer who loves all things money. I'm Hui Yu, and I'm a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. And you're listening to Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast where we talk about how you can build a clearer picture of your financial well-being and be more confident about money in general. Hey everyone, welcome back to Good Girls Talk About Money. Hello, Hui. Hi, Debs. It's October. Yeah, so before we talk about our October episode, we have something really special lined up for you, by the way. Um, we just want to sort of answer a question that one of our listeners uh, sent in to us. So Christina Chua um, sent us an email, an email about some questions around property financing and uh, basically, she has three questions. So um, I will sort of ask the questions and Huiyu, you will, of, your, of course, play the role of the expert and sort of share your views on that. And also, because this is on property financing, Christina, in case you're also listening to this episode, you might want to check out uh, our July episode, which was titled Buying a Home in Singapore. Here's a crash course on mortgages you've got to know. And we interviewed the CEO of Mortgage Master, David Bay. So check out that episode and um, see if you can learn something new about property financing as well from that. But let's get on to your question. First question, would you consider your HDB apartment as part of your investment portfolio that will appreciate over time? Okay, I have an HDB right now. I own one. I do not consider my HDB as part of my investment portfolio. Why is that? Because I bought it not as an asset. I bought it to stay purely and I had no intention to profit from it. Um, I was very clear about a few things. One, my flat is really quite old. I think it was built in 1976. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really, what, 30 plus years old when I bought it and it will just get older and older. So I need to bear in mind that if I do sell it in future, it might already be, what, 50 years old? Okay. Okay. So, and if you're a young couple, there are many things that you want to think about before buying over a flat this old mm. and therefore, I am already expecting that if I were to sell it in future, I may get back less than what I paid. Mm. If I were to think about it as an investment, I would be losing money. But I guess if, let's say, uh, most young couples usually would apply for new BTO. flats like BTO or a relatively new flat on the resale market. So I guess anything below the age, as long as your flat stays below what? has 65 years left on its lease. Absolutely. The bank, I mean, it still has some kind of reasonable retail value, right? Runway, yeah. Okay, so on the topic of BTO, mm. um, I think if you want to see your HDB as an investment, it will probably have to be a BTO. Mm. And it will also depend largely on location. Yeah. If you lucked out and you got Duxton or you got like Boon King or Skyview. Skyview, I mean, all these places, right, are calling for 1 million and above. Mm. Then, of course, you struck lottery. You probably paid 400 plus 500 mm. when you first bought it. 
and now it's double the price. Yeah. So I guess you can say that those people um, viewed it as a good investment. Mm. But bearing in mind, when you buy, when you sell your flat to buy your next property, it will probably cost you more as well because you can't buy your next property at the same price that you paid for mm. your BTO. Yeah. Then you are kind of losing your profits unless you say, okay, um, I sell the house, I will just move back to save my parents or, and I don't spend the money on the new property. Well, I guess that is where I kind of have a different view on that. Um, so basically, if let's say you buy a BTO, you lucked out, you sell your BTO flat, you know, at a million dollars and you pay for it like what, $650,000. So you make about 350K out of that. I think most of the time people would also use part of the proceeds of that sale of their BTO flats and maybe they will upgrade to a private like a condo and that kind of thing, right? And then maybe they hope for on block. I guess that's the whole prop you know, property roadmap that people hope to get into. You you get a BTO, you sell it at a great price, you upgrade to a condominium at a reasonable price, but you hang on to it long enough, hoping that it will get on block and that's where you really, really struck lottery. So in a way, you can consider your HDB flat as a part of your investment portfolio. But I guess, yeah, it's it's depending on how, how old that, that property is and whether you are looking at BTO or resale flat. But let's not dawdle further. Let's go to the second question. How should we strike a balance between capitalizing on our CPF to minimize loan and lose out on CPF interest to pay for our property purchase versus taking up a loan to pay for property. Now, this question was uh, we've definitely uh, dived into it in greater detail in the earlier episode with uh, David from Mortgage Master. So Christina, you might want to check out that episode. Um, But I think one of the key points that we talked about in that episode was that if you use your CPF to service your mortgage, then you're losing out on the opportunity for your CPF money to earn an interest in that in your CPF account. So I guess it's up to you how you, you see your CPF, how, how you want to work your CPF in a way. So it's a personal choice and you will find um, more details on that on um, in the July episode. In the July episode. Now, question three. What would you deem to be a healthy ratio to set aside for mortgage while balancing other needs such as investment, savings on a monthly basis? Okay. Uh, for such questions that always ask for a like benchmark or a like ratio, if you hear me talk about it, I keep saying that there is no textbook answer because it really depends on the individual. Mm. Um, my answer to someone who is single will be very different from someone who is uh, married with two kids, for example. Because then you have to pay for the kids' enrichment classes, the I don't know, taekwondo classes, the swimming classes, and all these things, right? Which leaves you with less disposable cash to pay for your to service your mortgage. Mm. Um, in all honesty, I don't have enough background to answer Christine's question. Um, so Christine, I I would advise right that you go back to your advisor because I'm I'm pretty sure your advisor would, would have a better idea of your background and you can have a more insightful discussion with your advisor on this. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, and so Christina, we hope that we've answered your question. Um, 
And at the same time, to other listeners, if you have other questions for us regarding anything about your financial life, feel free to drop us a note at goodgirlstalkaboutmoney at gmail.com. So moving on to our October episode. October is quite entertaining. (laughs) Right, back to the October episode. Now, what is the one holiday that you would associate October with? Hmm. Is it Children's Day? Really? When was the last time you actually <laughs> celebrated Children's Day? Honestly. Fine, fine, fine. Is it Halloween? Yes, Halloween. So one of the festivals or one of the holidays we would sell you know, we most often associate the month of October with is Halloween. Although it's not really, really widely celebrated in Singapore, as in you don't see kids roaming around in costumes and going around different trick-or-treating houses, yeah, doing trick-or-treating, but you will see shops, you know, having some Halloween decorations, you will see cold storage, you know, have selling candies by the bulk in discounted prices, just in case you might want to, you know, give your kids in your neighborhood some candies for the Halloween holiday. So today we have kind of designed this episode to talk about the money monsters that could be in your life and how to vanquish them. So what do we mean by money monsters? Anyone want to take a guess? Why don't you take a guess as to what a money monster is? Uh, You tell me. (laughs) Come on, give it a guess. I must admit that when when Debs sent me the the topics for this month, I was quite excited. <laughs> because of all the episodes that we've done, this I guarantee you is the most fun episode. Well, hey, don't 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 set our listeners' expectations too high. But anyway, so when we talk about money monsters, basically it's linking some of the more popular monsters in pop culture to your money habits and how they could affect the way you save and invest your money. So without further ado, okay, in this episode, we will tell you about the four most common money monsters. You may sort of... um, Turn into... Yeah, you may have heard of them. Of course, you would have heard of them. But then the thing is, um, when you think about their personality and their character traits and how they link back to the way you manage your money, you know, maybe you will find familiarity with one monsters or maybe two monsters may sort of resonate with you. But, you know, this is just for fun and we just hope that, you know, it kind of gives you a new way of looking at um, the way you spend your money. So first up, the first money monster that we're going to talk about is the the money vampire. vampire. Okay, the money vampire. And so what do I mean by that? Okay, it means that you have an insatiable need to feed your spending addiction, okay? And you are always hungry for more things and cannot bear the harsh glare of your credit card bills at the end of the month. So, you know, the typical classic vampire is someone who's always hungry for blood, they're insatiable, their thirst cannot be stopped. So in the same vein, if you are a money vampire, if you have a money vampire haunting your life right now, you could be somebody who cannot stop yourself from spending money. So, what would you say? You know, you are you are playing the role of the exorcist here. Okay, so if you if someone says, "I have a money vampire in my life," what? How would you recommend we kind of like curb our spending addiction? Uh, you know, looking at the four monsters, and I think. 
the one that uh, the one weakness or, or the monster that I identify with the most mm-hmm. is the vampire. <laughs> or at least maybe in my younger days when I first started working mm-hmm. and I felt the freedom of getting my first paycheck. Okay. I completely turned into a vampire. <laughs> okay, I was so excited about uh, what I can spend my money on. I wanted to go to all the nice new restaurants. I wanted I wanted my, the new bags. I just wanted all these shiny new toys. Okay. And I felt so much freedom mm-hmm. that I could finally afford the things that I want to buy. And I think that uh, went a bit out of control mm-hmm. for a year or so. Wow. And I think what, what changed me was uh, not liking the fact that I didn't have much savings. Mm. Okay, so let's come back to this. If you are like me, and you have this problem, your, your paycheck comes in, and you just want to keep spending and spending and spending, my advice, which I have advised previously, is pay yourself first. <laughs> okay, yes, go uh, on. <laughs> you would have heard me say this so many times, okay? Yes. Um, and I think, in a way, what CPF is doing for us is a very good start. <laughs> and I realized that for quite a number of my clients, it is not uncommon to see that they have more money in their CPF account than in their bank account. Okay, and this is when I'll ask them like, hey, if you have so much money in your CPF account, then why do you not have as much in your bank account? Mm. And that's when they will pause and they will wonder where their money went. Okay, right? Okay, I can see that right here right now. Okay, and it's because Every month when your salary comes in, you have to set aside 20% mm. into your CPF account. Yeah. And you can't touch it until you buy a house or until you retire. You absolutely can't touch it. No matter how tempted you are, even if you want to buy a new car, you go on a holiday, you just cannot touch it. Mm. And so it is very uh, enforced discipline yeah. that CPF put on you. And therefore, what you can touch is your own savings in the bank. Yeah. And like for me, I just kept drawing to that. So my advice, once again, comes back to just starting an account for yourself. It can even be a piggy bank. Mm-hmm. You decide how much you want to set aside. I would say 20%. Yeah. Okay. For, for an easy start, just, just mimic what CPF is doing. Set aside 20% of your gross income. Uh, gross, uh, okay. Not net. Uh. This amount... Uh, ideally, you don't touch. Okay. And you just touch whatever else you have. Right, that, that requires a fair bit of discipline, I guess, for the money vampires. Um, yeah, I think my way of doing things is slightly different. I would recommend you don't even consider using your credit card. Just use a debit card for everything, okay? And nowadays, we have all these fancy payment apps that come with their own credit card. So for me, what I would do is I would top up one of these payment apps um, with say my shopping budget for that month it could be say $1,000 right and then for online shopping for going out for shopping you know whether it's physical or online pay using that debit card from that payments app rather than use a credit card and you know some of these apps are really good they will, they will even give you points or cashback when you use these cards to pay for your online shopping so I would say you know the short way of really going cold turkey is to not use your credit card but give yourself a fixed budget for shopping and use a debit card yes
then moving on to monster number two, we are talking about the werewolf. Oh, is that convincing? But anyway, so this is the werewolf, right? So if you have the werewolf as your money monster, this is what happens. You are a human being for most of the time. Most of the time, you're really well-behaved, you're rational. But when it comes to special dates like 9-9, you see where I'm getting, getting to, you know, something triggers a monstrous change inside you and you attack these sales with a vengeance. And worst of all, you infect those around you and they also go mad for these sales, right? So, in your opinion, if you meet a werewolf, money werewolf, what would you do and how would you recommend they kind of like rein themselves in a little bit and not let them infect the people around them? I think this monster is not that bad, you know, honestly, because if you are just storing all your purchases mm-hmm. for those particular dates, okay, let's say, let's say, I'll give you an example. If you have just moved into a new place yep. and you have all this furniture and appliances that you want to buy mm-hmm. and you accumulate and you buy, you, you save, right? you save in your cart and you only check out on these dates and you therefore make a considerable savings, uh-huh. I think why not? True. That's what a lot of my friends do, actually. Yeah, see, so if you need to buy a new um, vacuum cleaner... See, you are the money werewolf. You have just infected me. Oh dear. <laughs> why, why would you want to buy? Ask me first. <laughs> so, I think if, if done sensibly, mm-hmm. it can save you quite a bit of money. Okay. And also, I think because you're storing things in your cart first, it's not so much an impulse buy. Yeah. On the day itself, you decide if you still really need that new hairdryer or if you really need a new TV, I don't know, up to you, okay? Mm. Then the things that you deem necessary, you check out and you save, I don't know how much money you save, but you save quite a bit. So why not? Okay, honestly, I don't have such a big problem with the werewolf. Because you're one yourself, boy. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you the truth, I don't do any shopping on these days. Okay. I am more of a impulse kind of shopper. Actually, you know who is also a money werewolf? Who? Mark, our podcast editor. Because before meeting Mark, right, I had no interest in these like 9-9, To me, they're just another day where people, you know, where these commercial online shops will tell you their, their sales and that kind of thing, right? And because Mark and I used to work um, at the same place, you know, and... He was the one who alerted me that, oh, actually, you know, the deals on 9-9, they're really good. And that got me curious because he's the kind who would sort of like gather the coupons. You know, sometimes you would have to get the coupons before the day itself and then use them only on the day itself, something like that, right? So he would really work to get the coupons, save them, and then make sure when he checks out, he uses these coupons and stuff like that. So that got me curious. And then I, I went into, I think, Lazada. Okay. Of 11 11 i think two years ago and that was when i bought like myself a new vacuum cleaner a new handphone a new like headphones and yeah so it was just a downward spiral after that and that was how these shopping events became such an integral part of my life so i blame mark as well for infecting me with with the werewolf curse yeah it's mark it's not me <laughs> i don't have this habit of, of shopping on these special dates <laughs> so anyway moving on to the third monster which is Frankenstein's monster. Now, um, just a little bit of like monster education here. You know, every time we talk about Frankenstein, Frankenstein is the doctor that created the monster. And so the monster is called 
Frankenstein's monster. Is the monster itself is not called Frankenstein. Frankenstein is actually the doctor who pieced together all these human parts and then um, created a monster. And so that monster is called Frankenstein's Blew monster. Blew my mind. I did not know this. Oh my god. I'm totally judging you right now. But okay. So if you have a Frankenstein's monster as your money monster, so this is what happens, right? You have bits and pieces of commitment everywhere. So like Frankenstein's monster is the day-to-day, right? As what we call it. You have bits and pieces of commitment everywhere. And this puts a strain on your finances, making it hard for you to set aside money for savings or investment. You have a mortgage, you have a car loan, you pay installments for things you don't really need, and you also have subscriptions that you're too lazy to cancel or you're not aware of. All right, so this is Frankenstein's monster as your money monster. So wait, what would, what do you have to say to that? Okay, so far I am really very amused by, <laughs> by this episode and today's monsters. Okay, Frankenstein's monster. Um, I okay. I think it's very easy to mm-hmm. accumulate all these subscriptions. Yeah. You know, you have your Netflix, you have your Spotify. Some people have what uh, Apple TV. Mm. I have my gym membership. And I have a few gym memberships, you know. I am not advertising for anyone, but I go to schools, I go to Anytime Fitness, I have my boxing PT, I have my <laughs> I have my uh, my weights PT. So I even for myself, sometimes my my subscriptions get a bit out of control. Mm. And I am no longer aware of like what I'm paying until I stare at my credit card bill which I do every month, mm-hmm. just to see if I'm being scammed or you know, yeah. whatever, right? Then I say, hey, what's this, like, what, $7.99 nonsense? And then I realize, huh, what am I paying for? Do, 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 why? That's when it really pisses me off and I start cancelling everything. Okay. Okay. My advice, if you have better advice, please just share with okay. me. Okay. Why? Why look at me? I'm not the one who's out of control, but go on. Yes. If you have <laughs> advice for me, then ask this. <laughs> um... Just cancel whatever you don't need. I mean, mm. spend some time going through your credit card bills or uh, your gyro statements mm-hmm. and things that you don't need. Okay, for example, I have many friends yep. who sign up for gym memberships mm. and they get very excited when they first sign up, thinking that they will transform into this what body, right? But after two months, they lose steam uh-huh. and they stop going. Okay. But they still have to pay. Yeah. And I guess you are, I don't know what, sign on for a year or something. It depends on your, your package. Mm. And after that, it just continues to roll. Yeah. And they forget. Mm. And then they're just paying, I don't know, 100 bucks a month yeah. for something that they don't use. Mm. For that, it's just, it, it's so yuan wang money that you can, yeah. you can spend on investments, refer to our last episode. <laughs> you don't need very much money to start investing, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you just keep accumulating all these uh, loose change here and there that you're spending on things that you don't consume, mm. it's just money being wasted. Yeah. So just, okay, to me, just sit down once a month or if you're very lazy, once every six months, look at your credit card bills and your gyro statements, cancel everything that you don't need. I have a hack. Please tell me. Okay, so this is not paid for or this is not sponsored, but just first disclaimer first, I work for Revolut, right? So that's R-E-V-O, 
L-U-T. So if you're curious about Revolut, you know, go download the app, set up an account, it's free to do so. Now, why am I recommending this? So Revolut has this very special uh, feature. It's called a virtual disposable card. So basically, every time you use that virtual disposable card to complete a purchase, the details, the credit card numbers, everything is destroyed. And that means you won't incur a recurring fee on that credit card or, or rather that debit card detail anymore. Wow. So basically, this is what I do. You know how a lot of these Apple, these apps like to tell you, you download and then you can only access it if you try a seven-day trial. Mm. And then after that, it's like an annual subscription or a monthly subscription, right? They will tell you things like, Seven-day free th- free trial. After that, it's $7.99 per month. Mm. And if you want to access, you know, you just want to check out what this app is about, you sometimes enter your credit card numbers and you forget about it. And this is when you find that you may be supporting a subscription that you don't really need very often or you don't use. And this is what I do. Instead of entering my credit card or a debit card um, number, that doesn't self-destruct, I use the Revolut virtual disposable card. Googling it now. To do it. So I will enter my virtual disposable card details into such things. And after seven days, it doesn't go through because once you put it, you know, you enter it and they will say, oh, you know, maybe 99 cents have been charged and the thing is destroyed. And when they try to charge that card again for that recurring subscription, Chances are they won't be able to. You will get an email or you will get a customer service you know, email saying, oh, you know, we tried to deduct money from your card. We weren't successful. And this is your reminder to at least tell, your, tell the customer service person, I do not want to continue with this subscription anymore. So that's my hack. Well, that's handy. Okay, yeah. thanks. And then also another hack. So sometimes, you know, especially with apps these days that require you to... So sometimes it could be a free thing. You don't even need to pay. But then you have already... You, you sort of want to subscribe to it. You say you'll subscribe to it. But after you check it out for three days, it doesn't really kind of fulfill your, your needs. And just remember to go to your Apple account, look at the subscriptions, and stop the subscription then and then on your phone. So if you do sign up for any apps and, and that kind of stuff, just remember to always check that you cancel that subscription if you don't intend to continue with it it's usually within seven days within 30 days just make sure you remember and you cancel it or you use the revolute virtual disposable card and i'm not getting extra money out of it trust me <laughs> so that's one of my money hack i see Ooh, very useful okay. mm, yeah so and so coming to our fourth and final monster it will be the zombie brains okay so when we look at zombie, you will think about the walking dead, right? What happens? They travel in a herd, they look at human beings, and they want to eat, and they mindlessly eat, 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 right? So if you have a money zombie in your life, it means that you give in to your hunger mindlessly, right? If somebody buys the latest iPhone, you want one too. If everyone says crypto is the best way to become rich, you start buying Dogecoins, okay? You dive into it without considering whether you are suited for it. So if you have a money, if you are a money zombie, queen. What should that person do? You know, um, on a more serious note, mm. I find this is a problem with our society and it's increasingly becoming so. Yeah. Where 
I guess with our social media platforms mm. and people being FOMO, right? Like, oh, I'm at this new cafe, you know, I then everyone wants to try it too. Or like, whatever you see in someone else's um, Instagram, you want to have it as well. You want to take a photo of it as well, you know, and if someone travels, uh, the list goes on, you know, it can be a new car, a new house, a new travel destination, anything. Mm. And I think it is very, very dangerous to just want to have the same experience or the same items that your friends have just for the sake of not being left out. Mm. And because you don't know if your your capacity, your financial capacity is the same as whoever is posting and you don't even know the real story behind how the person got it. So many things are left unsaid on social media. I think uh, if this is a chronic issue that mm-hmm. you are you constantly find yourself being a zombie and it's chronic and you really can't stop yourself, right? You probably need to seek help. Like speak to a professional. I'm <laughs> yeah. serious, you know, because okay. this this is more psychological yeah. than just a money habit. Yeah. I think there's a deeper underlying cause mm. and it could it could seep into other parts of your life as well, you know, not yeah. just finance financially. But if I were to give you some superficial advice, it comes back to just paying yourself first. <laughs> you know, sometimes the oldest advice, right? Yeah. The simplest advice works. I yeah. don't I don't need to try to be fanciful about it. So okay for me, because I know how much I set aside when my pay comes in, mm-hmm. I know I'm free to spend whatever else I have in the bank. Yeah. And I spend it without guilt. And I don't have to worry that if I spend this money, I'm eating into my mortgage or I'm eating into my, my cat's allowance or my cat's food allowance or all these things, you know. Yeah. No one's getting deprived because of my, my spending. So, uh, simple advice, just pay yourself first. Set aside an X amount of money in your bank or in your P-bank then proceed to spend your money guilt-free. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, if you're the kind who follows your friends blindly into newfangled investments, you know, like everyone's buying crypto, should I buy crypto? That kind of thing. Before you make these investment decisions, as always, we will advise you to speak to a accredited financial advisor, right? There is no get-rich-quick scheme. And sometimes, you know, what works for your friends may not necessarily work for you. Mm. So before you mindlessly join the crowd or join the herd into, you know, buying crypto or even joining one of these like property, like buys thing where they tell you you can buy several properties without paying additional buyer stamp duty and still earn rental income, that kind of stuff. It's always good to sort of seek advice from your accredited financial advisor. Yeah, and with that, you know, our Halloween special is over. But um, we've also received a comment on our podcast recently, you know, from somebody saying that sometimes we give good advice, but sometimes it does feel a bit like we are blowing our own trumpet and we are bragging about our financial successes. Um, I think for that, I just want to spend a few minutes addressing it. I think when we started this podcast, it was more like to make, you know, money a lot more relatable and one way we felt that we could make it relatable was to just share our own personal experience um i guess by you know by no means are we sort of flaunting our successes i'm not successful when it comes to money at all you know to sort of 
show off how rich we are or how how good we are with our money. So for you know, a, you know, if you have taken offense at the examples that we've shared, I just want to say um, I'm really sorry that it made you feel that way. But really, it's just I think for me personally, I won't take financial advice from someone who is unable to specifically tell me how they have used their money. So the only people we know how they have used their money is ourselves, mm. and it would not make sense for us to, you know, tell you how our friends or how our family members have been spending or investing their money. So although it may sound like we're bragging, but it's just really because we are here to share our experiences and how we personally have been investing. So yeah, so that's what we want to share. So yeah, I think if I may yeah. add. Mm. Um, this podcast or the idea of this podcast came about because Debs and I are constantly chatting about how we spend our money, how we mm. save, how we invest. Mm. We talk about this on a casual basis. Yeah. And so we thought, how about recording our casual conversations mm. and maybe what we know and the, the research that we have um, done for ourselves, mm. for ourselves, okay, I repeat, um, may be useful yeah. for other people as well. And because we are we are speaking about it from a very layman perspective, mm. we as you notice we don't use jargon. You know, we just it, it's just me chatting with depths. Yeah. So we we hoped that the podcast will be relatable and useful to women, especially. Mm. You know, um, because we had to do quite a bit of research for ourselves when we first got our salary when we first bought our house and all these things and there was no one to there was no podcast back then or like you know books are <laughs> you make us sound so old but okay <laughs> yeah so we just we just hope that our chats can be mm-hmm. useful helpful yeah. to our listeners um, so yeah I mean we and we keep repeating that we are not offering any sort of advice yeah. and we are not experts <laughs> it's really just two friends chatting yeah so, you know, we hope that you will find, you will still continue to find what we are sharing on Google's Talk About Money useful. And as always, we welcome any kind of emails, you know, whether you have any feedback for us, whether you have any questions for Huiyu, just drop us a note at goodgirlstalkaboutmoney at gmail.com. And we'll see you in November. Goodbye. Bye.